Welcome to episode 255 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always. And this week we've got a very cool one because we've got Robin McCauley joining us. Exactly. Yeah, very, very cool to say that. Very glad that we've got this one. Pretty excited about this. Robin McCauley, as you probably know if you've been listening to rock music for a long time, was part of Macaulay Shanker Group. Mm-hmm. He's now got a great new band called Black Swan. He's also been part of the Michael Shanker Fest for the last few years. He does a few other things. We'll talk about that here in a bit, but uh, and really excited. Really, in, yeah. any time you get talked to him is great. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, now, yeah. Sorry. there. That took me a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was the one with the pun this time, not you. <laughs> That's right. That's unusual. Right? <laughs> I'm on it today. Man. Yeah. Well, before we get into the the Robin McCauley stuff, we got a few things to talk about, some music to play. But first, got to let you know we're sponsored by DEB Concerts and MedFarm. MedFarm is a dispenser located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, at 24683 East Highway 51. They're right there off the highway. Can't miss them. Get in there because they've got a great selection. They're always running specials, so follow them on their social media. Their Instagram is at MedFarmOK, and Facebook is MedFarm. That's P-H-A-R-M. Website's MedFarmOK.com. You can see all their products on Leafly.com. If you tell them that Thunder Underground sent you or that you heard about them or mention our name, they'll give you 10% off your order, which is very cool. They've also got a doctor on site every Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And most importantly, their slogan is Cannabis with a Cause because 30% of their profits are going to build no-kill ammo shelters. And as we've stated a few times, I know there's like 5,000 dispensaries in Tulsa now. So you can get to one probably within three minutes, no matter where you're at. But Oh, definitely. No matter where you're at in Tulsa, you can get to this place within 20 minutes. And the fact that a third of what you're paying is going to help build a no-kill animal shelter, I think that's worth your drive, no matter where you're at. Oh, definitely. So get in there and check them out and tell them we sent you. Also, DEB Concerts. A promoter right here in Tulsa that keeps bringing some great rock and roll to downtown Tulsa and to Rocklahoma and to the BOK Center. Well, the BOK Center is downtown Tulsa. That was kind of redundant. But most shows are at the Ideal Ballroom. Just the other night, Buck Cherry was there. Right. Recently, we've had in the past year, Saxon, Last in Line, Bisto Blanco, the year before, Striper, Steelheart, Sebastian Bach, way back, Ed Winger and Warrant, Dockin. L.A. Guns, Kicks, Junkyard, a huge long list. And now they've got Texas Hippie Coalition coming on 420. Right. That makes sense, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, how convenient is that? Texas Hippie Coalition will be at the Ideal Barroom with Poster Child and Sweatin' Bullets opening that show. And Eddie Trunk, I, I didn't look. I assume Eddie Trunk will be hosting? No. Oh, he's not? Uh, Lynn Hernandez from Camody. Okay, gotcha. Lynn Hernandez will be hosting that show. So get out there and check that one out. You've got... Almost two months to prepare. Exactly. Yeah. We'll be talking about that many more times, but also we're talking about Rocklahoma because DB Concerts booked the D&B Processing Stage, which is in the Roadhouse area, and they've got a pre-party the Thursday night before Rocklahoma kicks off is Warrant, Bullet Boys, Hurricane Alice. That's going to be kick-ass because you got some throwback rock and roll there. And then we've got Liliac. John Five and the Creatures and Lynch Mob 
that are headlining the other three days. And you know what? What? What happened the other day? I found John Five's soda. The limeade. Oh, I forgot all about that. I remember talking about that on Justin once. Yep, yeah. and it's like, if, you know those Was old, it at that Rocket Fizz place? Yes. Okay. The old, uh, you know, the old circular green lollipops you get at the doctor's office if you're a good boy or girl when you got a shot. Yeah. It literally tastes like that in liquid form. Wow. So, so it's sweet as fuck is what you're saying? Pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. It was, yeah, I mean, um, I gained like 200 pounds just, just drinking that thing, <laughs> you know. Nice. I'll have to check that out. But but I had to try it. You know, it, it was, uh, you don't see that every day. And um, so. What, do you remember what it was called? Um, did it have like a clever mm, pun name? It or did, anything? and okay. I cannot fucking remember. But at the, but at the end, it said Limeade. So I don't know. I sh- probably should have been more prepared. Didn't really even think about it until you said John 5. So, <laughs> right. you know, I don't know. I'll get back to you, everybody. Okay. We'll talk about that as right. it gets closer to Rock, Oklahoma. <laughs> but yeah, all that coming to Rock, Oklahoma, thanks to DEB Concerts. There's a lot of other acts on that stage. Get on debconcerts.com to find out more. And also, that's where you can find the link to buy the tickets for Texas Hippie Coalition as well. And they've also got an announcement coming soon on another show at the BOK Center. So, you know, it's going to be a big one because it's going to be a rock and roll show. So be on the listen for that, and we, of course, will talk about that when it happens as well. All right, so speaking of Buck Cherry, you were at that show. Yes, I was. With Grind and Fist of Rage opening. So what's your, uh, I wasn't able to make it, but what was your uh, takeaway from all that? I mean, it was a great show. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, Fist of Rage or Grind opened the show, and uh, that was awesome, uh, you know. They, uh, they did all the, uh, you know, I mean, it's grind. We've seen grind a million times. Um, they were tight. Uh, CJ was on, uh, it sounded great. Uh, Fist of Rage was, was up next. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was just, a. I I I love what Brax brings to the band. Um, and it's, and it's cool. Like Andy was there, their old singer. Yeah. And uh, we love Andy, and it's cool to see that support still there. So, you know, um, and then uh, Buck Cherry played fucking Porno Star. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's amazing. You know. And, and, and it's funny, because didn't, like, just a week or so before the show, I'm like, if only they, because you said you had looked at the set list, and I was like, if only they played Time Bomb or Porno Star, that'd be amazing. Well, and then and they, 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 they busted it whatever out. Happened. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was crazy, because... You know, the other two clubs that are connected to the IDL had Mardi Gras shit going on. Oh, that's right. And there's just people everywhere. Um, uh, it was just a great night. Buck Cherry sounded great. That's what uh, I wanted to ask you. Like, I wasn't going to get into my thoughts, you know, because oh, I was a I diehard know. fan of this band. And I've, like, I know. I've been I know. a little off the last two or three years. I'm not going to get into that, but I was just curious, like, what your thoughts on Josh Todd's voice, the band, and all that stuff. No, I mean, his dude, his voice is still there. Okay. His voice has always been there. It's well, I know that, clad. but and I've seen him a couple of times where he sounded off. I don't know. It sounded great to me. <laughs> I know that I couldn't believe they played, the, uh, excuse me, they played Porno Star. Yeah. And, um, and they were on. I mean, it, it sounded awesome. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I know that they have a different lineup and, and it's different these days. Uh, but the songs are being played, uh, you know, note for note. So, um, they went into radio song after 
It was uh, fucking. They opened with had like a hole, right? They went into uh, porno star and then riding and radio song, riding amazing. Uh, so I mean, it, but it was yeah, it was a great night. It was good, good times, good times. So they didn't play uh, like any snippets or covers of American Pearl. <laughs> no, sorry. Okay. Sorry. I mean, and, and that would have been great, but that's yeah. <laughs> only me and you are probably literally the only people in this fucking state that know what that means. <laughs> right. So, yeah, well, what do you do? Yeah. Let people look that up if they're interested. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll connect the dots pretty quick. Yeah. Let's uh, play some music before we talk about a couple other things. We're going to play Down for Five. Fuck yeah. This is a great song, dude. Yeah. I'm glad we got it. Yeah, they just released this song Tuesday, and it's their first song in seven years since their last album came out. And they, this was produced by Mark Mortensen, and it's a fucking kick-ass rock and roll song. Uh, you damn right it is. So let's just get into this. This is Unify.
Unify from Down for Five, a brand new song. Like I mentioned beforehand, that's their first song in quite a while. It's been seven years. And the very cool thing is that they've got two more songs that they're going to be releasing over this right. next month. And I think, I should have asked, but the way I gather it from the way they talk, they're just releasing these three songs digitally, which is, you know, what Smart. a lot of people should be should do this day and age. Very, yeah. I don't know if they're going to look to wind these into a full album at some point or what, but right now we're getting three new songs, which is pretty awesome. And this song is fucking great. You mentioned to me after you heard it that the hook is awesome, and that's my big takeaway as well. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I texted you earlier. I mean, it's just hooks and catchy, and it's got a great fucking solo, and, you know, Sykes sings like a motherfucker, and, and it just, that chorus sticks to your, I mean, you just can't get it out of your head. Yeah, you're you're singing along before the song's over the first oh, time you hear yeah, it. Yeah, completely. And that's, that's, that's a, a great, that's a, a great skill. Um, to have in your in your arsenal. Yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to hear the other two. Yeah, I know that uh, my big takeaway besides the hook was, and the, you know, just the whole thing, all the instrumentation or whatever you want to say, it is all amazing. But like you said, Psych, to me, I know, to me it feels like he's better. He was always been great, but it mm-hmm. sounds like he's even better now vocally than he was. Hell yeah. You know, seven years ago or whatever, when you heard it recorded. I mean, we've seen him live and he's, you know, since then. Because yep. I've been back the past year or two, and he's great. But I'm just saying, just it's just something about it. It's just is a little bit like the game's been up a little bit more. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. You, you got to come correct, dude. Yeah. But yeah, so down for five. Noteworthy. That's the first band that we ever interviewed on this podcast. Yes, it is. I think it was episode seven. Yep. Yeah. And, and I'd like to get him back on to talk about this new shit. Yeah, we. The first band that we interviewed was. Scott and Jana. At that point, they were just doing Rocket Science. And I think they're even still doing Octane Blue at that point. Yeah. And Down for Five was inactive. But, you know, we've had Jana and Scott had been on here another time. And Scott's been on here another time mm-hmm. with Nine from Dead Metal Society. Yeah. So, speaking of, we need to get Psych on here at some point, too. Yeah. Or just get the whole band now, Jeff. And right. Will. Yeah. So, there you go. Down for Five. Check it out. Follow them on Facebook and Give this song a listen some more. All right, so speaking of other new music, on February 21st, Ozzy released his first album in quite a while, but we're going to talk about that on the next episode because we got an Ozzy-centric episode coming. Yes, we do. But someone else, another heavy metal icon like Ozzy, Biff Byford, released his first ever solo album. Yes, he did. 40-plus years of Saxon. They've been around since, what, 78, 79 was their first album? Mm-hmm. And this is his first ever solo effort. Yes. So my first thought is, I think we actually kind of talked about this a while back before the first single came out, School of Hard Knocks. Yeah. I was like, is he just going to release an album that sounds like Saxon? Mm-hmm. So what's the point? But my instant reaction was whenever I first, when the, the album first started, the first song is Welcome to the Show. Yes. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Yep. This song was bombastic as fuck. Yes. It's fucking 80s arena rock to the hilt. I I, I was curious. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry, before I go into my thing. It's just like, everything about it is just like excess to the greatest degree. And I'm just like, man, I was so, so saying that, my first instant takeaway from the whole album was I was a little bit let down just because... I was hoping the whole album was like that. Yeah. 
but then I listened to it again, and you know, it's like it's a great album, so there's no reason to be let down. And there's only really only probably two or three songs that sound like these could have been Saxon songs. I get that, yeah. But there's, you know, there's several songs that I really love. But before I list them off, what do you got to say about your? Well, instant, I, I think you know you're completely, absolutely, a hundred and twenty fucking percent correct about Welcome to the Show. It's one, and and it's and it's always. I don't care what band you are. When you've got those just simple banana, banana, you know, with the four on the floor beat, kind of the ACDC back in black formula. Yeah. I mean, that's going to incite some feelings in you that, that are, you know, you want to drink, you want to party, you want to fuck, you want to go see a band in an arena. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the and, and you want to have fun. And, and it's just this, it's this just triumphant grand thing, like. You know, and the chorus is fucking huge and catchy as hell. It's like, you know, I I want to ride a bald eagle through the wind and then come back down and watch an angel band. I mean, you want to get fucking <laughs> right. Talladega Nights on it. <laughs> right. You really fucking do. And, uh, <clears throat> and I don't care how derivative that formula is. And I don't care how corny it is. I don't care how 80s it is. I don't care who fucking does it. When a band does that, I'm in. I'm in. Absolutely. I'm sold. I want to turn it up. I want to have fun. I want to crack open some beers. I want to make some bad decisions. <laughs> so I just, I just love when fucking bands do that. It, it's, it might not be the 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 right thing, but it feels good. So fuck it. I yeah. don't care. <laughs> um, you know. And then I think uh, when you go into a School of Hard Knocks, that's a pretty Saxony thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I knew, I mean, you, you can't take, you can't take the Saxon out of Biff Byford. Right. You can a little bit here. And to my, you know, to my detriment, I'll just be completely up front right now. This is a record I've listened to many times. Okay. Yeah. And I have not looked at the fucking song titles. It's while I'm driving or while I'm doing shit at the house. Um, I love this record. I've listened to it probably like fucking 10 times. But, you know, if you say, hey, what about Pitting the Pendulum? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what you're going to play it for me. Yeah. Um, but also, another thing that I thought about, the song where he's kind of talking at the beginning. You know, the, he, Biff Byford could be in, like, movies or have, like, you know, voiceovers. Yeah. <laughs> That's know, a good point. Yeah. Those epic, like, you know, fantasy-type movies. That's just <laughs> yeah. what my point was. But all of it's, I mean, it's all deadly. I, I And it's a guy who... Ever since I was a kid, fucking hated the song Scarborough Fair. Um, <laughs> yeah. It just fucking abhorred it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i okay with this version. It oh, It really? picks up at the end, and there's mm-hmm. some, you know, there's a, they do some shit, and then they get, it gets kind of rocking. So, that'll work. Yeah, I was like, you remember Queensryche covered that? It was on, a, I think it was a B-side from Empire. Because it was on like the re-released longer version yeah. of Empire or something like. I always liked it better than the original, but still didn't like love it by any means. And that's kind of how I am here. Well, yeah, I, I've never. <laughs> it's just one dude, of those songs. I'm just fuck like, mm. parsley, fuck sage, fuck rosemary, and fuck time. Okay, <laughs> fuck them all. I can't stand that song. And and Biff made it tolerable. Okay. Well, the song "Throw Down the Sword." You probably remember that one, right? That one's a little bit. That one that was a little bit slower and has that. Kick-ass guitar solo running out the back end of yeah. it. Yeah. 
and then me and you was that the, the oh, yeah, other we, side of, of Biff Byford who finally you, got to you, hear a love get song. A saxophone solo. Yeah. Come on, Biff. Yeah. I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. At least at he least, wrote a song for his wife. Yeah. Well, at least one of those ballads that all these guys do. You know, at least he's like, you know, fucking throwing a sax solo. No one does that. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm down. Did you know who played that sax? No, I don't. Do it's it. Tom Kiefer. Uh, get the fuck out of here. I'm just making that up. I'm no, man. I it could have been gonna, Clarence from... I thought you were going to say Michael Monroe. <laughs> it was Clarence Clemens. It was the last thing he recorded before he died a few years ago. What, like fucking eight years ago or some shit? Yeah. You're insane. And Biff's had it on the in back burner. Insane. Okay. Well, was something else I wanted to say about this, but I forgot. It'd be cool if he did a, like a tour, like a club tour, and played some of these songs, you know, and obviously doing some... It'd be cool if he did these songs and did nothing but like the 80s Saxon. <laughs> yeah, like... um. <laughs> Sucking back on the streets again, <laughs> and they throw and he throw in the um, the fucking what's the Christopher Cross song? God damn it! Did he do a cover of? Yeah, riding the wind. Saxon oh, that's did. right! I yeah. forgot that was a Christopher Cross song. Pretty much anything from Innocence is no excuse. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love it. Fucking, I mean, it's. Uh, you know, the guy's 69 years old and sings like that still. It's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, we've had him on the show before. And you said so, he's 69 years old? Yeah. Guess what? He was on episode 169. How cool is that? That is insane. So well, he's probably go. 68 at that point, though. Yes. Because that was, or actually that was 2018, right? So 67. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, that was like whenever Saxon came through opening up for Judas Priest mm -hmm. on that tour in 2018. We got to have him on, and Black Star Writers was the same show. Yep. And speaking of saxophone solos on the new Black Star Writers record, Michael Monroe does play sax. No shit. Yeah. Which really? I think it's the first. Uh, well, the first song. Well, I know he plays saxophone, so I don't know. Fuck off. You go Google it right now. I don't know, <laughs> but I know he's on there. And Pearl Scott Ian's wife. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. So. Do you know, did you look up at all, do you know who plays on this Biff Byford record? No, I, don't, I read who, and I can't fucking remember. I know that the video for School of Hard Knocks, I know that a Nibs from Saxon is in it. Oh, okay. So then I'm sure he plays on it. Yes. Other than that, no, I did not do my homework. I apologize. I should have. Hey, especially I as much of a Saxon fan as I am. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, well, there you go. Check it out. It's. Out now. Came out February 21st. So I wonder, I wouldn't be surprised if Saxon has a new album out by the end of the year. Oh, like yeah. As they, much as they've been doing stuff oh, yeah, the last they, several they years. Oh, yeah, they don't fuck around. Yeah. Well, speaking, like I just mentioned, they opened for Judas Priest. Judas Priest just announced in another leg of their tour throughout this year, the 50 years of, of Priest. And they've got Sabaton opening, which that's, is fucking great. That's crazy. That's such a great idea. Yeah. You know, more people need to, uh, you know, get turned on to Sabaton. That's right. And they're playing outdoor amphitheaters. They're playing in Oklahoma City, if you're in this area, on October 2nd, which is, I'm sure, going to be badass. Are you going to that? I'm going to try. If I'm here, then I'm going to go. yeah. It, I think it's the same day as the ZZ Top Def Leppard show here in Tulsa, which I was thinking I'll go to that, but then... But come on. But I've seen... Def Leppard countless times, and I've mm. only seen Priest like three or four times. Right. So, yeah. And kinda. with Sabaton opening, that kind of seals it. Yeah, kind of have to do that. Yeah. 
But yeah, so check that out. Whitesnake also announced another leg of their tour. They're coming to Tulsa, Oklahoma on August 28th. So there was another great one. And then, yeah, I feel like something else was announced, but we'll talk about it when it happens. That's all right. (laughs) So let's get into Robin McCauley. Yes. Just uh, about two weeks ago, I think. I think it was February 7th was whenever Black Swan's album came out, Shake the World. Stop looking at me, Swan. <laughs> we should have mentioned that in this interview. <laughs> I'm going to put that sound clip in there. No. <laughs> oh, God. No. If you're not no, familiar... Don't, don't. I shouldn't even said that. This is a great fucking record, and Rob McCauley was absolute fucking joy to, to talk to. What a gentleman. Yeah. Uh, it, it just the best, so... Yeah, this album, to me so far, is my favorite album so far of 2020. Nice. You know, we've, like we mentioned, we've got, we talked about Dirty Shirley. That album is fantastic, but this one's just a step up from mm-hmm. that for me. And Kirk Winstein's right up there as well. But, right. but this one so far, right now, is my favorite. I've been listening to it, I think, more than anything else that's come out so far. Dude, and, dude Big Disaster is just worth it alone. Yeah. yeah and just, we talk about that. That's right. Like, yeah, you ask him about it, you talk about that. The song Immortal Souls, I think he brings up, is amazing. She's on to us is like a great kind of yeah. throwback sound and track where most of these are a little bit. The thing I like about Black Swan is it's like, first off, you got one of my favorite guitarists of all time here. Right. With Reb Beach. And then you've got Jeff Pilson from Dokken and now Foreigner. Then you've got Matt Starr, who is currently the, he's a drummer from Mr. Big. Yes. He took over after, uh, am I drawing a blank? Pat Torpy. Pat Torpy after he passed away. Matt Starr has been the the drummer since then. So this is a, a great lineup. And I think from, you know, what I know about everything I've listened to and, you know, loved throughout my life of Robin McCauley, you know, mainly was the McCauley Shanker albums. Yeah. Listen to those whenever I was younger and loved that. And then he had a solo album that came out in the late 90s. And then, you know, he's been doing stuff with Survivor in the last few years. He's been part of Raiding the Rock Vault, and he's been doing the Michael Schenker Fest the last few years, which, are, if you're not familiar with that, Michael Schenker has been touring with basically all of the singers that yep, have been of, a part yeah, of his solo. All work. of his old singers, yeah. Yeah. So, which is a, you know, a cool idea, which, you know, I don't know if anything like that's really been done. Right. And Robin McCall has been doing that. But I think Black Swan, when I listen to it, sounds like... Probably the heaviest thing you ever heard his voice on, I think. Yeah. Because it's heavier than, you know, the Macaulay Shanker stuff was, and even the new Michael Shanker Fest albums that have come out the last couple few years. So I'm really excited about that. A lot of this kind of, you know, there's at times where I feel like it has a Dio feel to it when you mix Red Beach's guitar with Robin's voice. Yeah. But at the same time, it you know, it sounds like Robin Macaulay, and it sounds like more what Red Beach has been doing in recent years, which, you know, his wingers are a little bit heavier than they were yeah. back in the early days. So I'm just happy that we got new music from Red Beach. I know. And <laughs> it works. Yeah. But yeah, so we should quit rambling and just let this, let this talk, right? Roll it. Yeah. We were, uh, we recorded this and, uh, had some issues at the beginning, but I'm, I'm not going to have that in there. I just want to say yeah. that I'm happy that all this worked out. Cause we were sitting there thinking, we might have to cut this off and right, not. yeah, because it was super. 
super bad. And then for a minute, like it, when he when it got good, he just kind of just kind of summarized his whole paragraph that we couldn't use. Yeah. And so I was like, man, you know, so it might start out weird. I don't know how you're going to do it. Yeah. But we had some, yeah, definitely. But I'm, I'm glad. I'm just glad it, it worked itself out. Yeah, same here. All right, let's get into this. Here's Robin McCauley, lead vocalist of Black Swan and Michael Schenkerfest. Yeah, that was basically uh, a call from Jeff Pilton, um, who in turn their music to put another uh, like project together, similar to he did with uh, his End Machine. So he called Reb, he called me, and we were both totally up for it. They got together, started writing some music. I started writing some lyrics and melodies, and uh, 10, 11 songs uh, later, we we have a Black Swan album, and we're we're really stoked. We love it. Well, did you guys kind of write everything? Do you mean you guys kind of wrote stuff separate and then brought it together, or how did that work? Well, Jeff, uh, you know, uh, Jeff and I and Matt, we live uh, about 40 minutes from each other in the L.A. area. And uh, uh, Reb lives in Pittsburgh, so we're not going to him. We're right. definitely not going to Pittsburgh. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he, came, he came to L.A., and he went to... Uh, Jeff's studio, and they kind of started uh, putting some music together, getting it into a sort of an arranged format. They sent it on to me, and then I came to Jeff uh, and Reb in the beginning, all three of us together, and um, I let them hear what I had. Actually, the first idea that I sang down to them uh, was Big Disaster, and uh, Reb stopped me in my tracks, and he started laughing and going, dude, this is the first time we've worked together on a project and you come in here with a title called Big Disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of that kind of set the tone um, pretty much for the rest of the writing. It was, uh, you know, they'd, they'd uh, go into the woodshed and get stuff together, send it to me because I also work a Vegas show five nights a week, so I'm not around that much. Um, and they would send me some music and go, here, see what you can do with this. And I'd call Jeff and get his schedule together. We'd hook up at his studio, um, do some pre-production on my ideas um, over what they had sent me. And uh, I'd get straight up to the mic and start recording. And that's kind of how it went all the way through. Yeah, Matt came in at the very end, which was kind of a, an ass-backwards process because, um, because we're not all together in the same room at the same time. But most of the time, at least two of us. So Matt came in at the very end after all the tracks were done. Um, and he had a lot of ideas after Jeff sent him the rough mixes. And he really brought the thunder. Uh, because there was a drum machine down there just for the purpose of uh, getting a song structure together. And he did a phenomenal job, what he brought to the table at the, uh, the icing on the cake. you know. And it's, uh, it's a great, it's a very powerful... Uh, fresh sounding record so but yeah we're we're stoked and we're stoked that the uh the reaction that we've been getting we're going really huh mm -hmm. like this so 
yeah, so it's pretty cool. You know, if you told me 10 years ago, whatever, maybe 30 years ago, that I'd be doing something like this and uh, jumping off the roof, loving it that much, I'd be laughing. But yeah, <laughs> you never know. Never over till the fat lady sings, right? <laughs> right. That's, that's right. Well, well um, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> talk about talk about Jeff Pilson as a producer and and like what he brings out of you. Well, if you knew Jeff like I know him, standing in the same room or over the over the phone with Jeff, he is on ten constantly. He mm-hmm. is so full of energy. Um, he has so much experience. Both in songwriting, he's an amazing bass player. Uh, he's really good with uh, song arrangements and structures. And, um, you know, he said to me, this is going to be the best sounding record you've ever done. And I went, I want it to be the best sounding record I've ever done. And so we found, uh, he uses a very old microphone, a Neumann U- U67, that I absolutely fell in love with. And he said it fell in love with me. Wow. And, you know, it, it captured captured the vocals like I wanted it to and like he wanted it to. Nothing's over-processed. He is so full of energy. I've seen something down to him in, 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 in a rough format and he would go, yeah, oh, this is great. This, I love this title and let's change this and change that and boom, and I'd be done. And, and you just, I'm just feeding off his energy and, uh, and my son Casey was with me on a number of the recordings, who also sang backups on about four tracks. Okay. And he would leave. He would leave the studio with me, and he was going. Hilton is just on fire. He he got such a kick out of out of Jeff's energy, and I went, oh yeah, this is this is how Hilton rolls here. You know, <laughs> he, Hilton is the Hilton is the rock that rolls away. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah, he is. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you, you'd mentioned big, uh, big disaster earlier. Uh, I, I fell in love with that song from the get go. Um, and, and you said you brought it in. Talk about uh, the beginnings of that song, and how it came about. 
Yeah, well, they sent me, you know, we wanted to see what was going to happen with the, with the writing process. We figured, you know, it's going to be decent, right? Because look yeah. at Jeff's background and, and Rev's depth of melody and his playing with Winger and Whitesnake. Um, and, you know, the only question that was asked was, so what does Frontier Music expect here? And Jeff said, they, they want a classic rock record. And we went, what's that? You know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, we've, we've come, we've come a long stretch since whatever we ever considered to be our bands at the time, you know, and we're all crazy busy. So, um, they sent me, they sent me the music and, um, I went, okay, this is a kick-ass riff to begin with. And, um, I started writing lyrics and melody. And as I said, I came back into the studio and Rev and Jeff are there and she was fat. And I said, okay, you want to hear this? So we started, I mean, we didn't, we didn't record it. He just handed me a microphone. We sang it in the control room and Rev was going, this is going to be great, dude. He goes, but really big disaster. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was just, it was perfect. I mean, it was just, and, and it becomes the, uh, from the second single of of the record it's kind of and it stayed pretty pretty close to how i wrote it melody and lyric wise and um you know there was another piece he sent me um and and i'm a big i love vampire movies you know and um so i, I i'm listening to the intro of what became immortal soul and i could hear i could hear like a crying wolf over the beginning of it. I came back to Jeff with a complete lyric and a melody. And I said, dude, that is so cool how he did that, that wolf sound over the intro of the song. And Jeff said, what wolf sound? And I went right there. And he goes, you hear a wolf? That's not a wolf. That's a whammy bar. And I'm going, (laughs) this is definitely a wolf. And I wrote this whole lyric about a vampire you know, a thousand years ago, whatever. And he goes, whatever. He goes, let's run it down and see what we got. And of course, you know, he goes, what do that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's really, we, we just, I mean, it sounds easier than it is, um, or than it was. It was, it was that kind of fun, you know? I mean, I told Jeff I'd gone to see uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, for example. And I said, you got to see this, dude. He goes, yeah, if you get out of here in time today, uh, recording-wise, I'll take the family to see it tonight. And he did. Then I'm getting all of these text messages and MP3 files at like midnight. My phone's going crazy. And sure enough, it's Pilsen. He goes to see Bohemian Rhapsody, comes home, gets straight on the piano. And and uh, he starts to write what he felt that he picked up from the movie. Yeah. And it was like this whole first part of United Divided. And he sent it to me and he goes, did you listen? Did you listen? Like still on number 10, you know? And I said, I did. I'm coming in tomorrow. And I came in and I sang along and the song pretty much stayed the same. I changed a couple of phrases that suits me more. And um, he goes, oh my God, this is great. Now for part B. And Reb is going, what do you mean part B? That is the whole song. And he goes, no, now we have to pick up the tempo and I need you to come up with a riff. And, and, and so that's, that's kind of how it went. He just started slogging out these great, heavy, heavy riffs. And of course there was a, a kind of a queen influence. That was the thought process behind it stylistically, but it's very much a black swan song, completely a Jeff Wilson song that one. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. 
pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. And a great message. A great message. Very topical. Very, you know, stand up and listen. Same as shake the world. Disaster. You know, it's not meant to be uh, politically based. You know, I don't need a, a soapbox um, to scream and shout. You know, I'll stand behind a microphone. But there's a good <laughs> message. It's very positive. It's, uh, you know, we all need a little shake. You know, we could be in a very big disaster if we're not careful. So it's just, just uh, an awareness kind of, you know, lyrical content. Well, you had worked with uh, Pilsen back in the MSG days. Did you, have you ever worked with Reb or Matt prior to this? I, no, I only ever met Reb one time when I was singing with Survivor. And he was doing some shows with Night Ranger. And we sort of met and chatted, sort of a nod and a wink backstage at, at a Night Ranger slash Survivor show. Never met him after that. Um, Matt, I did some events in Hollywood with him. And because I do the Vegas show, Rating the Rock Vault, Matt is also one of our swing drummers, our sub drummer. So um, I got to know Matt through that. And we made the call, Matt. And Frontiers were behind it. They really liked Matt. And so he jumped on it. Uh, plus, um, I don't know if many people know this, but Matt Starr is an amazing vocalist. That guy's got a serious set of pipes. Not many people hear him, um, but he could easily step out from behind the kit and uh, take on anybody. He is He's really good. And as Jeff said, now we have him as a great singer. I sing. Jeff is a great singer. Reb has a great set of pipes. So the next Black Swan album will be uh, will be utilizing a lot more than we did on this one. So we're kind of still getting to know each other, you know. Um, and this is what you get first time. I think the next one will be even crazier. So it's good. It's really good. I mean, you, yeah, you kind of mentioned the next one. I mean, is this something that a project you consider? something you guys will do more in the future or even like select concerts when your schedules could line up? Cause I know you're all extremely busy with other projects. Well, I would hate that uh, this is it. And I think we've discussed it with the band and they all feel the same, that uh, it would be a great shame because we're really only starting and you're absolutely right. Of course, uh, the big old uh, scheduling is what makes it difficult. But having said that, Nothing's impossible, so we're going to try very hard with scheduling. I know that Jeff's foreigner schedule kind of comes to a close about the middle of September. Right? Crazier than a bat out of hell, but, you know, he, he needs some time off, and when he has that time off, we're going to swipe him up. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's difficult to just do a handful of shows. We need to do a little bit more than that because... There's so much goes into rehearsing and prep and logistically with everybody all over the place. So just to come together for a very short window doesn't make much sense financially, work-wise, all of the above. So yeah. um, as soon as we get that window of opportunity, I mean, you know how it is. Um, um, we, we'll be all over it. So, yeah, hopefully this year, too. So, and before everything gets too cold. Right. In, in terms of the in terms of the record, of course. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was pretty much approached in the same format. They would send me the music. Um, sometimes Jeff would have an idea for a chorus, and he'd have a lyric, and he goes, "What do you think of this?" Something for a verse. I would come back 
I'd have a verse with a lyric, and he goes, this is great, this fits perfectly. Or we'd have a verse and no chorus and no lyric or no melody, and uh, we'd work on it right there in the control room and do a, a little pre-production on it and uh, write down a rough working lyric and a melody, and um, I'd step right up to the mic, start recording, and we'd go, it's killer, let's do it. And then I'd lay down a backing vocal, and... Uh, and we'd be done. We'd move on to the next one. So pretty, pretty awesome. Um, no real big to do about, oh, it has to be like this or stylistically. It's like we all kind of know what we needed to do and we just did it. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no such thing, thing as, as criticism among us because we, we know what we're capable of. And uh, I'm a great believer that you, you work within your your capabilities and job done you know it, yeah. it turned out great did, did it have a different vibe to it a, after all these years or or did it just kind of feel like the 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 msg thing as it always was you know somebody said to me uh when was the last time you actually concentrated and wrote an entire album beginning to end and my answer was uh, not in the last 30 years <laughs> you know yeah. um it was it was it, 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 it seems like it was a challenge, uh, and, I, and it was a challenge, but it was, uh, it was something that we had the mindset that, okay, I guess we're going to do this. And so off we went, and, uh, you know, we just, we just got on with it. And, uh, you know, you always take a little piece of who you are and what you've done, and there's obviously going to be somewhere a little sort of foreignary Dockany, white snake, winger, you know, shanker thing going on because that's who we are. Um, but we wanted to, we wanted to make sure that it was also very much Black Swan. And so, to that end, they're all new songs. So it's it's pretty fresh, uh, new writing, and um, we found our feet right at the beginning with Big Disaster, and we just uh, it was a disaster from there out. <laughs> <laughs> well shifting gears for just a second into the michael shanker fest you've done a lot of touring with that in the last few years like what was it like revisiting those old macaulay shanker songs live oh my god it, it's pretty awesome you know michael doesn't even particularly like playing the macaulay shanker stuff because uh he thinks it's all sort of music for housewives <laughs> um <laughs> maybe it is and, and, you know, the, the good thing about that is there's a lot of housewives like that music, you know. So kudos to the housewives. Um, <laughs> you know, on a serious note, standing up there with Gary and, and Graham, whom, of course, I knew, you know, all of these years. We just never had a chance to perform together under the same umbrella. And then from Temple of Rock, he brought in Doogie White. So, um, you know, we get a... Uh, we had, it's so much fun. It's a two and a half hour show and very different because sometimes we, he's, Michael will switch who the opening vocalist is. But irrespective of who it is, you can, you can transition from all of those periods. So Gary was pretty much in the 70s. Um, and Gary uh, Graham came very quickly in behind him and never really toured with Michael. He did Assault Attack and that record really never saw the light of day. Uh, and then I came in for the McCall Shanker period, U.S., etc. 
and we got our MTV and we got our VH1 stuff. So it's very different in terms of what each vocalist does. So it's an interesting kind of a show. Temple Rock is very different again. And then, of course, we also join each other on stage and become backup singers for whatever song it needs. Pretty interesting. And uh, I thought in the beginning, it's been four years now, actually, since uh, since we did Sweden Rock. And it kind of had a domino effect after that. The promoters loved the idea. And so we've been doing it ever since. And I thought, oh, my God, people will never stick out two and a half hours. And if anything, they complain that it's not longer because they didn't hear X, 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 X song in the set. <laughs> and uh, we ran over a couple of times in the States last year when we did the tour. We ran over three hours nonstop. And uh, and that comes because, you know, when we hit all the UFO stuff, come towards the end of the set, and Michael breaks into a solo from rock bottom, it can go from five minutes to 25 minutes long. Right. And, uh, and he reinvents it almost every night, and it's, it's amazing every single night. In fact, Michael Schenker, in my opinion, is playing better now than, than he's ever done. He's very focused. He's very... Uh, he, he's got his direction. He knows exactly what he, where he's at. And, um, yeah, people are... And, and he's actually talking and even singing. It's a completely different Michael Schenker. Right. You know? So um, it, it's great to see uh, because he is an amazing guitarist. He has influenced an enormous amount of guitar players. And, you know, there's been many stories written about Michael, but, you know... There was a lot of stories written about Mozart. Look what happened to him. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> they didn't write anything influential whatsoever. So, <clears throat> so it's all it's all relative, you know. Really, he's he's, he's amazing. One the the two studio um, two studio albums that you guys have recorded. How did you guys approach the songs that had all four of the vocalists on it? Was it something that one person wrote it, or did you all kind of like bring in your own phrase? Yeah, Michael, kind of Michael Michael Voss. Uh, is Michael's uh, producer for some time now. And um, Michael works closely together with him when it comes to a song that they want with all four vocalists, and he usually writes it, sends it to us. And because we're so spread out, you know, Graham and myself are here in the States, and the rest of the guys are in Europe. So, you know, they get their files, and then they send the files back in. That's mostly how it happens. Or we can arrange it that we're all in the same room rehearsing and recording at the same time. And we try to make that uh, happen as often as is logistically possible. Um, right now, most of the band is rehearsing in the UK for the Japanese tour. And when, as soon as we hit Japan, March 6th, we'll have a few days rehearsal where I can come in and I can start rehearsing. So everybody will, will there'll be a whole band together for at least a week, 10 days before anything happens. And that includes rehearsing and recording and all of that sort of stuff. So. It's, it's a very unique, while a very difficult uh, um, project, if you will, to put together and make it work um, and still so, sound so tight when we hit that stage because, you know, we don't miss a beat. Kudos to ourselves, I have to say. Um, so, so you have to do your homework. You have to be ready, you know, um, to get in there and know your stuff. Rehearsals have always been, for me, 
it's just tightening up the songs. It's not for learning. You need to know your work before you go to the rehearsal room. There's a lot of people I know um, who think that they go to the rehearsal room and have a case of beer and start learning the songs there. And, you know, studio time is studio money. And that's not how it works. Not in my book, anyway. You need to go in there and be ready. And you, you run down the songs and you arrange the songs and you make them tight. And that's how MSG works. They come in prepared, get the job done, and we're ready to go. Right. Well, you... That sounds very strict, doesn't it? <laughs> hey, well, that's, it pays off, I'm sure. You mentioned... Yeah, it does. It does. And, and that's the key. It does pay off. You mentioned uh, raiding the rock vault, and I mean you've been doing that a while now too. Is there, there's been a lot of guys involved with that. Is there anyone that hasn't been involved that you think would be a great fit for that? Um. Oh my God. Um. We do have quite a revolving door. You know, this we're going into our uh, year number seven. Um. We've amassed almost almost fifteen hundred shows. Wow. And um. You know, when you when you bring players like Doug Aldridge and Tracy Guns and Howard Lees and Hugh McDonald, both of whom, of course, are Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, and you have Paul Tortino and Todd Kearns from Slash, and, and we used to have Andrew Freeman from Last in Line and Mark Bowles uh, from Ingbe. Um We have Sean Coy, female vocalist from Meatloaf and Dweezil Zappa. We have a Megan Ruger from uh, The Voice. Michael T. Ross from Lita Ford's band, Phil Suzanne from Ozzy and Billy Idol. Oh, man. It's, uh, I don't know if we forgot anybody. <laughs> we also have, uh, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. We also have uh, David Motto that comes in from Mario Speedwagon whenever he's in town. Um, it's, um, it's, amaz- it's absolutely amazing because when we started it in 2012 when we did the first uh, showcase uh there were a lot of i'm going to say this la musicians who came to that showcase and they go oh dude i could do this man i've been playing that song for years until they come and they start to blow it out in the rehearsal room and only to find out that rock vault is very particular about blowing it out because you know even stuff like hotel california which is a big song in the set it is note for note perfect exactly like the record and that's the difference we do it exactly musically it's exactly like the record the singers come in and i always regard ourselves as nothing more than a vehicle for the songs to pass through so we chop it up and sometimes you'll have a song with three or three or four singers on it makes it really interesting and we swap back and forth with harmonies and uh, the sound is huge uh, it's an all-ages show and people just don't seem to get enough of it, you know. It's uh, classic rock, alive and well. Ironically, of course, since we started that seven years ago, so many quote-unquote classic rock bands have uh, taken a residency in Vegas. In fact, Foreigner just did uh, a small batch of shows at the beginning of January, and they'll be coming back, I think Jeff told me, for a three-week stay as a residency in 2021. Um, Aerosmith are there, of course. Journey have come through. Leopard, Scorpions. Um, oh, my God. Billy Idol has come through. David Lee Rock just picked up a residency. Yeah. So, Classic Rock in Vegas is very much um, the show that people want to go see. Very much. Yeah. 
Do I want to say thanks to Raiden the Rock Pop? Maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, maybe. <laughs> well, being someone that has such a huge voice and performing that much with Raiding the Rock Vault and Michael Shankerfest, do you have any pre-show rituals for getting your voice prepared? Um, oh my God. You know, it's like being an athlete. Um, you have to train. You have to pace yourself. Um, you have to know what you're capable of doing. Um, I, uh, I love walking. I don't go to the gym, but I walk about an hour, hour and a half every morning. It's really good for the respiratory, good for the lungs. Um, once my job is done, you know, a typical night we're raiding the rock vault is, uh, we have a, a 7.30 show. So we're in, we're in the venue at about 5.30. We have meet and greets. Uh, you're talking. Then we have a 90-minute show. You're singing. And then we have another 45 minutes to an hour post-show for uh, signing and taking photos. You're talking again. And casinos are atypical uh, smoky venue and yeah. that doesn't go down that doesn't work good for me at all so once I'm done I'm out of there so fast and um, my days are usually fairly laid back pretty quiet uh, and my head is wrapped around the show that's coming that night so I rest as much as I can eight or nine hours sleep very important if you care about your voice not always possible yeah. But um, AC, not good for the singers. Um, um, all of those little awful stuff, if you care. Um, I know a lot of singers who just go, oh, whatever. Um, but I think it shows. Um, it's my instrument. It's all I have. So I have a huge responsibility. Plus, we have a show that uh, with a different audience coming into Vegas every night, uh, they don't need to hear excuses that you're not feeling well. They paid for a show. They want to see a show, and 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 and, and there's your uh, there's there's your bar. They set the bar for you, and and we have producers who will go, hmm, really? <laughs> so you know, and, and it's a job. It is a job, and 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 that's how it works. That's really how it works. Yeah. So um, I hope that answers your question. You know, oh, yeah, um, definitely. Just have to take care. Just have to take care of it, well, if you care. Yeah, obviously. Rockwell material okay. is very, very different than going out to do a Shankar show. It's uh, Shankar takes it up to another level. So you're singing in a completely different style than you are at Rockwell. So when when Black Swan came up, I was pretty ready for whatever uh, the songs needed. So. Um, and Jeff Pilton did a monstrous job on production, so um, it's good. It's good. You know, I touch wood. I can still sing, so so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. We're only what two months into the year, but I mean, that's my favorite album of the year so far. So you guys kind of knocked it out of the park. Well, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you. I, it feels funny to me saying, you know, thank you for a record, but it's it's. Uh, no, we, we we appreciate it. It's um, it's taken us by surprise, I suppose, you know. Um, but uh, we're very happy with it, and uh, I hope the ball keeps rolling. You know, maybe the swan will change color by the time we get to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Why is it a white swan? And I'm going. The black swan is the name of the band. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, and you, and you couldn't be. see a black swan in a black shirt anyway. <laughs> <laughs> True, unless it's like metallic black on black or something. <laughs> yeah, somebody said that it looked like, uh, reminded them of uh, the old Led Zeppelin swan song label. Oh, so yeah. Like, I didn't even think mm, about that. <laughs> if, if, if you say so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then get there. Cool, man. Well, thanks for taking the time with us. We appreciate it. Oh, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Anytime. Oh, there's a name for a song. Anytime. Um, <laughs> there you yeah. go. Um, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. You spend a lot of time yakking, and I, I can't shut up sometimes. So no, we, we love it. That's what we That's what we want. So thank you. Well, thank you both much. And uh, come and see us on the road. All right. We'll do. We'll thank do. you. Yeah, and you know what they say, shake the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, guys. There you go, Robin McCauley of Black Swan, Michael Shankerfest, Raiding the Rock Vault, Survivor. You know what that means? We've now had on two vocalists from Survivor. Right. Because Dave Bickler was on this podcast for about a minute and a half. Who can <laughs> say that? A few months ago, right? Not many. Fuck off. <laughs> That's right. Back whenever we had on Stevie D, Stevie Dukakis from, he had an album with uh, Corey Glover. He was actually in the studio producing, working on an album, or music at least, with Dave Bickler. And he had him get on the phone and talk to him. So that's where that came from. Gotta love that. Yeah. And now here we got Robin McCauley. So a huge thank you, of course, to Jody Best of Best Bet Promotions. And of course, a big thank you to Robin McCauley for taking some time out there to talk. Like you mentioned earlier, he's great to talk to, joking around, had a good time. So I was pretty happy to get to do that. Definitely. So, if you have not checked out Black Swan, like we said up front, and if you listen to all that, hopefully that gets you pumped to go check this out. It's a fantastic album. Really looking forward to seeing if they do something again. I mean, I know we talked about it there. Like, all four of these guys have huge, busy schedules. Especially yes, especially Jeff Pilson, but also yeah. Robin McCauley with all the Rating the Rock Vault stuff he's got going on. So. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Red Beach pulls double duty with Whitesnake and Winger. So, you never know. But I'm hoping we get another album down the line and maybe some some tour dates at some point mixed in there. This is a great band. Well, something that popped in my mind, like, that we didn't talk about up front, which I mentioned, wanted to bring up, was James Hetfield. Listening. Well, you, I mean, you were going to Louder Than Life. Oh, and now Metallica. Oh, I thought you were trying to connect the two singers. No, no, not in any way. I was just mad oh. in general. <laughs> like I meant to bring uh, it up because man, I it's a pretty know. big thing. Here, here's here's my take on it, and I'm not gonna go over it. It, it. If if you don't know what's going on, Google it. He had a statement. <clears throat> I get it. You know, I get it. Recovery, mental health. That comes first, and it does, it does, it fucking does, I get it, whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, there's the, the, the blue-collar part of me that is like, okay, dude, what the fuck? Like, you're done with rehab, you're playing your April tour in South America, you're doing three other, you're doing the three other Wimmer festivals, I'm sorry... That your Shady Pines Baptist fucking men's retreat is on the same weekend as these festivals. Sucks. 
but, you know, motherfuckers paid tickets, have already put down for hotels, Airbnbs, what the fuck ever, and some of that shit is hard to get money back on, okay? Um, so it's kind of like, part of me kind of just wants to go, you know, suck it up. <laughs> right. You're a fucking quadrillionaire. Deal with it. Bring somebody on the road with you. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that always doesn't mean anything because and, and Chester Bennington or and you're exactly right. And that is Chris Cornell or Robin is, Williams or whoever. And that is exactly the other side of the coin. That it's like okay, I got to stop and I got to. I can't think like that. I have to be like you know. Look, his you know, his our realities are vastly different. You know, I can't understand that way of life, and he doesn't understand our way of life, and vice versa. And so you just gotta, hey, whatever. I mean, I, you know, just do what you can do to make sure you're on this earth uh, for another fifty years or right. whatever. I mean, so you know, fair enough. Yeah, my first instinct was okay. Sonic Temple. That's even though they're playing shows in April, that's fairly early, not that far off. But then the one. You know, the louder in life is in September, and I'm mm-hmm. like, and you're playing shows between then. Of course. And so yeah. I know he said it's a recovery event, and my first instinct was like, well, can't that be changed? Well, maybe it can. Maybe it's a huge thing. Yeah, I don't maybe know. Maybe it's not just I, a I personal know, thing. I don't know what program he's in. And I really, that's not know. our thing to worry about. Like no. you said, I mean, he's doesn't matter if you make $50 billion or you mm-hmm. make $12 a year. You know, it's like you, yep. you got to worry about whatever, you know, because, I mean, he's in an environment where... I would imagine it's one of the hardest environments to deal with that. If you're oh, trying to course, deal with, you know, of course. yeah, staying sober and all that. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing, you know, I mean, obviously, they, I mean, festivals never give refunds if a band cancels. Right. But I think they knew they had to on this one because yeah, so because many they people haven't announced anything fucking else. And yeah. that's another thing. Uh Louder Than Life needs to fucking release their fucking lineup immediately. <laughs> and I don't give a fuck how mad I sound or how unreasonable I sound. That's bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. It should have been announced already. Um, and now that the now that fucking Metallica backed out, and they're still, still, they're still trying. I don't give a fuck. And they're still trying to recoup. It should be fucking released already as of this fucking taping. Right. I don't give a fuck if they even if they don't even have their headliners, their replacement headliners. They need to announce that fucking lineup now, uh, because for the people that bought tickets, yeah, Yeah. and 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 to save the whole fucking thing, because so many people have bought shit just based on Metallica. Well, that's yeah. I mean, both both festivals, even you know, even though Sonic Temple, I guess, is announced. Yeah, it's announced. Tool it, and Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. so it's well, like... the whole thing's announced, but we know yeah, that. It's before, well, that was already announced. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, you know, they knew they had to offer refunds and exchanges, and the cool thing, I guess, mm-hmm. if you're really wanting to see Metallica as one of the options, is you can exchange Louder Than Life or Sonic Temple tickets for Aftershock, Welcome to Rockville, or Epicenter, yeah. if you want, and because Metallica's still doing the double sets on... All three of those. Yeah. Or it said you could even switch it for Sonic Temple if you want to see the Chili Peppers and Tool and Slipknot. Yeah. Or you can obviously stay with, you know, Liar Life or yeah. just get your money back completely. Yeah. So, my question for you is, are you 
Are you guys thinking of going if you like the lineup still? Or are you going to just say, screw it all? Or are you going to transfer your tickets to Epicenter or what? No, we're not transfer. Uh, that's I mean, not that much further of a drive than Louisville. Well, I know. I, I, but. I mean, a few hours probably more. But, but the, the, the times of year are different. And, oh, that's right. And here's the thing is, is as a group of us, we don't know yet. I don't know. There's six of us. What? Six of us going? Oh, okay. I wouldn't even think about that. Yeah. And, and as Melissa and I, we don't know yet. I, if it was just me, pure, straight up honesty, refund. Yeah. But, you know, she she's like, hey, we're not going to Oklahoma. You know, let's let's see what let's see what this ends up being. And that's kind of where the others are at. So I'll just kind of, kind of go, go along with it. Gotcha. Um, I, I think that, um, thank God the Airbnb policy, re- refund policy is pretty lenient. Okay. And we have some time. Yeah. So it, you know, if, if everyone decides not to, I think we're okay. Or, you know, if the lineup is stupid, I don't know. But dude, who knows? Who knows? But they really need to. They really need to uh, announce that shit soon. Yeah. Hopefully, they do. They do. (laughs) I mean, it won't be. I know. (laughs) Just wanted to throw that in there because that's the type of thing we would have talked about. I just forgot to bring it up. Well, and you know, I I think I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on the Berkeley to Boston tour. Oh, we're at St. Louis. St. Louis. Okay. But I have a feeling that it's coming to Texas too, right? Yeah, but the St. Louis one's on a weekend. Oh, yeah, you told me that. And, and so, but I have a feeling that one or two of those bands will might be on Louder Than Life, because those bands are kind of on a lot of those festivals this year. That's right. So, I don't know. Well, and the other thing, I don't, but I, for, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast or just to you off the podcast last time, but I bet you get Faith No More, Corn Helmet, some, if not uh, all of them, at least a couple of them, because their final date of that tour, I think it's St. Louis or it's somewhere that's not far from Louisville. And it's like the Friday that that festival's going on. So I would bet one or two or three of them will be there Saturday, Sunday. You know? Well, you're right. Yeah, that's a good. So if you get Faith No More, that's, that's pretty badass. Yeah, it is. It is. I guess to close this thing out, yeah. if you're, uh, this your first time listening or you listen a lot and you haven't listened to everything, we've got 254 previous episodes and. We've had, if you're a Robin McCauley fan from back in the day and you like the 80s rock, I mean, we've had on guys from L.A. Guns, Dockin', we've had on Frank Hannon a couple times, from Tesla, we've had on Gene Simmons of Kiss, Bruce Kulick of Kiss, Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses, uh, Vivian Campbell, Def Leppard, and Dio. Then we've had on, you know, a ton more of those kind of bands, and we've had on guys from Typo Negative and Seven Dust, Life of Agony, Bisto Blanco. We had you know, we talked about Biff Byford earlier. He's yeah. been on the show, and we right. haven't talked about that. I'm mentioning it again yeah. for some reason. Well, we talked about Black Star Riders there for a ch- second. We had on Ricky Warwick and Damon Johnson together. Yeah. Damon Johnson's been on here again, again talking yes. about his solo stuff. Tons and tons of people. You just dig through there. We've covered like pretty much all genres of rock and metal. You've even had on Shooter Jennings. You've even had on Lauren Hill's guitarist. We've had on all kinds of great stuff. So just dig through there. Check it out. We're on SoundCloud. 
soundcloud.com backslash thunder dash underground. You can listen to us on our website, thethunderunderground.com. And when you're on there, you can find all our social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're also on YouTube, so subscribe there. We have videos that are separate from the podcast where we review albums and shows and all kinds of stuff. So check that out as well. And you can listen to us on iTunes and Google Music and Tuner, TuneIn and Stitcher and Mixcloud and all that stuff as well. I think that covers it. All right, once again, thanks to MedFarm, DEB Concerts, and Robin McCauley. Until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.